It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. You can subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Megaphone. Also follow on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals and check out my open letter to Marvin Lewis at LockedOnBengals.com. I want to start before we get to my conversation. You'll be hearing my conversation with Willie Anderson with the breaking news of the day. The Bengals are set to bring in Terrell Austin as the new defensive coordinator. He was the coordinator for Detroit for the past four seasons. He helped Detroit's defense get to second in the NFL in 2014. They were 27th in total defense last year. The one thing I'll say, Bengals fans, personnel matters. So hang tight there. Who knows how he does does have a lot more to work with here than he did in Detroit. The other thing is, is the Bengals announced wide receivers coach Bob Bicknell will replace James Urban. Urban, who went to Baltimore, Bob Bicknell comes over from Baylor, has 10 years of NFL uh, coaching and assistant coaching experience on the offensive side of the ball. As, as you could tell, my voice a little scratchy today. Let's get to my conversation with Willie Anderson. I talked with Willie Anderson earlier today on ESPN 1530 about a wide range of subjects. And, and I thought you guys would enjoy this and to preserve my voice. So hopefully tomorrow I'm back to a hundred percent. Here's my conversation with Willie Anderson. I appreciate the time. Let's talk about t- tonight's national championship game. You got to like it. I know you're, you're an Auburn guy being in an, an all SEC t- uh, championship, even though Auburn isn't in it. No, I'm actually going to be miserable, James. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to be, I, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. Uh, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, which is a big um, University of Alabama hub. I have plenty, so many of my friends, family members and friends that are Alabama fans, that if they win another game, it's going to be hard for me to go back home again um, because they're going to be bragging for, you know, we, we won the game at Auburn this year, but that, that to me, and to me and to, it should, to most Auburn fans, still in comparison to them winning another championship. And, you know, also being here in Georgia, I'm a, um, Auburn and Georgia is probably the, the they call it the South's biggest rivalry. So um, it's going to be a tough time here because if, if Georgia if, if Georgia wins, Atlanta's going to be crazy, and if Bama wins, you know it's going to be hard for me to go back home. So I, I'm going to be miserable either way. See, I didn't think about it like that. So instead of it it being uh, at least the SEC gets a winner for you, it's it, it's a double edged sword. It sounds like. Yeah, the SEC does nothing for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. When, when, when I go back home and I, I, I see those Bama fly, fans flags waving in the air and all my friends who either play the Alabama or are just Bama fans, it's going to be hard, man. It's, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, i tell you that. Willie Anderson is our guest. What did, what did you think about UCF crowning itself national champion? <laughs> I think it's good for them, man. You know, that's, that's something that's good for them. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it should mean um, anyone else outside of UCF shouldn't get upset. You know, had, we had a similar situation we had at Auburn where we should have crowned ourselves at Auburn in 93 mm-hmm. when we went undefeated and we were on probation. Um, we, we pretty much ran through the entire SEC. We, we pretty much beat every, everyone they put in front of us. And the two teams that played for the championship game 
was Florida and Alabama, two teams that we played in the championship game. So we, we should have crowned ourselves. And we was thinking, if we had any kind of forward thinking, we should have crowned ourselves and got ourselves rings. And we, we did get rings, but back then only the, the, the seniors got the diamond rings. You know, the rest of us got, you know, some, uh, uh, <laughs> some silver rings. Yeah. Do you still have it? <laughs> yeah, I have. My mom has it. Gotcha. But I, it's I not, seen, not I, as I, precious I as a diamond. <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't seen in years. <laughs> Willie Anderson is our guest. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at BigWillie7179. Willie, were you surprised at all when the Bengals announced that Marvin Lewis would return for two more years? Um, yes and no. And, um, I kind of seen the, the uh, I thought when it was announced, whether uh, he announced it or whoever announced it, um, I thought that was kind of unusual a little bit, but I thought for sure after, after that, um, that was going to be. Um, I think I thought Marvin was going was to step down, but then I watched the next couple of weeks. Things that have been said, things that I was told, and I watched. I watched how the team played, and I kind of, I kind of thought, you know, I saw then that you know maybe um, uh, veteran star players maybe have gone to management and said something. Maybe, maybe they didn't. It's just my observation. But I watched the way the team played. They played hard for him, and. I thought at that point, you know, just knowing the history of of Marvin and and ownership, I thought they probably would keep it going. And you know, like I said, at first I thought he was gone, but then as the weeks went by and things that were said, and I watched how the team play, I, I pretty much knew then. I, I thought he would be coming back. Yeah, and, and he is back two more years. They're, they're looking for an offensive line coach. Is that something you'd be interested in, Willie? Well. um, I was already told that, you know, they're going to look for an experienced offensive line coach, which I understand. Now, I wouldn't be asking for the offensive line job. And I, I understand the job that those guys have is a tough job. It's a, it's a big major job, and it, and it requires um, it requires experience at that position as far as being a coach. The same way someone be someone get a quarterback job. You want your quarterback coach to have that kind of experience. Um, but also, I'm looking for opportunity to – consult with NFL teams, not in your traditional sense of consulting, where like several teams have consultants. The Bengals have consultants, but um, every team has them. But I think the consultants they have are ex-coaches. I want to be a guy to come in and help with skill development of your linemen. You know, so if, I, if I'm on staff during the week, you give me your young, troubled linemen during the week, um, whether it's downtown, whether it be on an off day, during the off season, sometimes at OTA, I can help assist the offensive line coaches that are already there because, point blank, coaches, the line coaches aren't giving them much time with guys. Mm-hmm. So they've changed the CBA rules around. So when you can't see your guys until mid-April, then it's only for a month. So the way I see it, and most guys see it, I've talked to several GMs about this. I've talked to people inside of the Bengals, uh, the Browns, the Ravens, all over, all over the country. Offensive linemen are getting shortchanged because they're coming out of college or they're returning after their rookie or second year. And whereas when I played, I was able to see Paul Alexander in February or March to start my training. These guys can't start to April. So having an outside consultant who's a part of the who's a part of the operation, who's a part of the who's a part of the organization, who helps um, coach, who who helps thank you, who helps um, train guys during the week, who helps set up. Um, opportunities for the younger linemen who, or your troubled linemen, I think having a consultant to do that would work with skill development only would be a big plus. And I, and I know it's, it's, a, it's a non-traditional position, so teams are kind of hesitant to create anything that's not the norm. 
if you're not a coach doing paperwork, doing um, game planning, doing scout team cards, and they don't they, they pretty much don't understand that. So I'm trying to educate teams about hey, bring in a skill development guys because the time is cut short, and I can basically be a conduit from the player to the coach. Make sure you check out Willie Anderson's website, WillieAndersonLinemanAcademy.net. And, Willie, is that something then that if the Bengals reached out and said, hey, we want you to do uh, or come on our staff in that type of capacity that you would entertain? Absolutely. I mean, um, everyone knows my, my passion for offensive linemen, young linemen, training linemen. I do it in my academy. I train um, five and six pro guys right now. We have numerous college kids that I train. And, uh, um, you know, we have about 45 um, high school kids that I picked up. I've been doing it for the last two years. So um, I do my camps, I do training, travel and do stuff. So I love developing office alignment. I love studying the game. And everyone knows my love for the Bengals. So, yes, of course, the Bengals, um, I would love to have a job in that capacity. Um, but, again, I understand that I'm not trying to be the office line coach. Like I say, I understand the experience that is needed. For that for that job, but I am. But I have coach guys, that I can, and I can explain techniques and systems to guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so it's all about what NFL teams um, would be willing to create that position as that kind of skill development consultant. And to first even want to hear hear me out about what it is I want to be able to do for the team. So, yeah, for, for just from the the outside looking in, Willie, and I, I look at. At you, and obviously you're eager to help the, the young offensive linemen, and you, you have your academy, and you're helping high school athletes. It's not like it's just professional high school, college, and, and pro athletes and linemen. And, and another guy, Anthony Munoz, who's right down the street here, who, who's he was in Browns camp last year, definitely willing to help. And I see that the Bengals have had struggles on on the offensive line in recent years. Outside looking in, it seems like such a no-brainer that they would they would call their two best linemen in history and say, "Hey, come down and and help our guys out a little bit." Yeah, and, I, and I, like I say, they they have called before. I was uh, I was in Cleveland for several weeks as well last year, this past summer with Hugh Jackson. Um, I discussed the position with um, Mr. Haslam, the team's owner. They they were kind of they were they were interested in, it, but um, as, as well as Hugh, um, talked to Marvin. Marvin and I would talk through text. Uh, Paul and I would talk through text during the course of the season about technique, about different things. So um, I, th- I think it's about, you know, just having an opportunity to come in and explain what it is that um, uh, I would want to be able to do. Um, because, like I say, the position is a non-position. It's not, but it's, it's not in the league currently. But I do know teams hire consultants. There are coaches on the consultants, on, on staff as consultants, but – what I'm talking about doing is, is helping with skill development. Mm-hmm. Is having setting aside time for me to come in and train, whether I'm on the staff or whether just me bring, bringing me in to come in and learn from what the, the current offensive line coach wants. Once I learn what he wants, what the system is, I'm able to take those guys doing downtime to train guys because I, I, I witnessed the last two years being in training camps with the Bengals and the Browns. You know, line coaches don't really have a lot of time to teach skill. You know, if it's not done in the off season, and once guys come in April, mid-April for OTAs, it's basically five weeks of putting in plays. You know, mm-hmm. it's five weeks of putting in plays, and it's not mandatory, so you can't make guys be there. So once that guy don't, the line coach doesn't see his guys again until July. Now in July, there's no time in training camp to work on skill development because during downtime, coaches are upstairs putting in more plays, 
with the next day's practice, reviewing film. So there's no really time for any of your developmental linemen to get any extra work because every coach on staff is busy putting in plays, reviewing film, doing cards, and doing all the things that pertain to being a coach. But with linemen, I mean, we, we've seen teams struggle with linemen because I, I think there's no time. And I've had line coaches complain to me about, you know, Willie, when do we have time to teach skills? We don't have time to do that. So mm-hmm. it's a position that I think is needed. Um, I think um, once NFL teams and GMs and owners kind of sit down and really think about it and really give somebody like myself a chance and other guys, too, to come in and, and, and display what it is we can help with the team, I think it would be beneficial to NFL teams. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you check out Willie's website, willieandersonlinemanacademy.net. Also on Twitter, at BigWillie7179. What What were your thoughts on the Bengals' offensive line play throughout the season? And, and towards the end of the season, it seemed like it was trending upward. Well, obviously, we, we know, um, you know, everyone knows, no secret, guys struggled as a unit. Um, they would play well in spurts, but I think they didn't stay they couldn't get that, that cohesiveness they've had they've had over the years with five guys um, for any big stretch of games, and especially in the big games that need to win. But for some reason, down the end of the stretch, they put together a lineup of guys that were successful. So I think I think now um, coaches going to have to look at that lineup to see how can we evaluate that group of guys going forward. You got a guy like Clint Bowling that that looked pretty damn good at left tackle, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, now. That was for two games, and, you know. Um, you know he, he did play against Terrell Suggs, who was an elite rusher. So you can't say he didn't play against any big time guys. But now you got to ask yourself: What well, can Clint play that position for a long period of time? You know, who's going to be your right tackle? I think once you figure out what your philosophy is going to be, once your philosophy, offensive philosophy is going to be, are we going to be a run heavy team? Are we, we going to be a spread team? Then you kind of then you got then you get you got to look up look and see what the makeup of your lineman should be. What kind of lineman do you want? Do you want big guys? Do you want leaner, athletic guys? Do you want guys who, who are maulers? Do you want guys who can pull and reach guys? Are you going to run power plays? Are you going to run power draw plays, outside zone plays? So you've got you to then see what kind of lineman you're going to bring in after you evaluate your scheme, see what scheme you're going to be. When I was at the Bengals, the last part with the Carson years, we, we, had, a big, we had a big, powerful line. But we also had guys like Eric Steinbeck and Levi, who weren't big guys, but who played a power a power game. Mm-hmm. You understand know what I'm saying? We had a big center in Richie Brown, who was six foot five, three hundred pounds, who was a big man who can pull. So, our game plan we knew with Carson, yes, protect Carson, put passing yards up, but the offense is predicated on us running the football. You know what I mean? So, I think that's kind of what the Bengals have to do to see what kind of scheme we're going to be, what's our our identity going to be, even in tough times, and after that, you evaluate, put your line together, your lineup. Willie, you, you mentioned uh, back in the day, and, and, and you, you said Carson's name, and it, it got me thinking. Have you talked to him since he announced his retirement? No, I haven't. I said I'm going to give him a call this week. Um, I pretty much knew. I talked to Jordan. 
Jordan Palmer, his brother. I thought the Carson, the day training camp started. And um, I knew then, um, I, I, talked to Car- I talked to Jordan. Jordan and I are Nike, Nike, Nike coaches on the circuit, so we travel around with Nike doing these camps. And uh, Jordan pretty much told me at Nike headquarters at our finals for our camp circuit that um, it's, it's probably Carson's last year. You know, he's battling some injuries, and he had been fighting through these things for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, he, he came to us as, as, as a baby, bright-eyed guy, and, and, and gave us some moments. And we all know that I think the history of the Bengals and the history of his career and my career and a bunch of other guys, uh, it changed that day um, in the AFC, AFC wildcard game against Pittsburgh once he got hurt. You know, so it's bittersweet seeing him. He still has some success after, after he left the Bengals. He had some success, but it's bittersweet to see that um, we couldn't finish that out in Cincinnati. Willie Anderson is our guest. Willie, was there ever a, a time when, when you watched Carson? I remember we, we had a, a conversation on Twitter about this, but there, there was a, a time that stood out where you saw Carson in practice or in a game, and you thought, man, this kid has it. Yeah, because I played with a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, I played with about <laughs> 13, 14 quarterbacks, and to finally see him, you know, I, I've been there with Jeff Blake, when Jeff Blake heydays and Jeff Blake playing at a high level. Then I, I saw Blake's um, – uh, whatever he went through, injury play come down. I had, to, I had the opportunity to play with Boomer and see things like that. But then, over the next over, over the next several years, eight nine years, I saw all kind of crazy um, bad quarterback play until we kind of we kind of got it stable with John Kitna. And I watched Kitna perform at a high level as a leader. Um, and but when we got Carson. Even Kitna told me himself, we were all you know lobbying for Mar- for Marvin to not. First of all, we were all lobbying to Marvin not to draft Carson. We thought Kitten was our savior because we love John Kitten. <laughs> yeah. But then once once Carson got there and Marvin decided in 04 that he was going to start Carson, we all lobbied and said, no, nah, let's keep Kitten, man. We won eight games with Kitten. And it took Kitten telling everybody, said, man, Willie, y'all crazy. He said, I can't do half what this dude can do. <laughs> he said, I can't do half what he can do. And to watch Carson in practice, you see, you know, I was one of the few linemen that played there for a long time. So I saw Damn, I, I, we've never had anybody in a Bengals practice to throw balls like that in practice. I, I've never seen it before. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've never seen these big time what they call Hall of Fame throws that he was making, and he made them with ease. He made them with you know. He came in the league. Carson was athletic, man. You know, mm-hmm. he came in that first game against the Jets, his rookie year, his first year start. I had like a long thirty, forty yard run. We was like, damn, this kid can run too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So. He came in, man, you know, a guy who was the number one player in high school, ESPN ranked, got to college, became a Housing Trophy winner, and became a number one pick in the draft. It's kind of like a storybook. You know, in California, he's kind of the model that all those, all those young quarterbacks look after of being a high school, college, NFL legend like Carson Palmer. Willie, this is always fun catching up with you. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Big Willie seventy one seventy nine. Also, Willie Anderson, LinemanAcademy.net. I, I appreciate the time, as always. By the way, I, I caught up with uh, Corey Dillon when he was in town a couple weeks back. And uh, he, he's he, just like you said, he was cheerful, happy to be back. One of the best things that happened for, I think, a lot of people, including myself, Corey loved it, man. The day we, the day we was about to leave, he texted me. I was downstairs in the hotel, the hotel eating, eating with my mom before we left. He texted me, man. He said, man, he said, man I'm, I'm so glad you got me to come. He wants me to come out here, man. I had a time in my life. And he was just so happy to be back in Cincinnati and feel all the love because he gave his heart. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he ran his ass off for that team, and I think it was I think it was it was well deserved that he come back and, and let people show them show him how much they loved him. So yeah. it was a good thing. Yeah, no doubt they they love him. No doubt the. The people love you. You guys, you guys should both be, and I don't get it, and, and I'm not just saying it because you're on here. Uh, why don't, and I, I know you might not lobby for yourself, but why aren't the Bengals getting more Hall of Fame notoriety? Like, I, I don't see how a guy like Corey Dillon isn't in. I just found out the voting process, man, and, um, and um, it's a crazy process, man. And you'd be amazed at the people who are the actual voters. I found that out. And you'd be amazed that the people, um, uh, you know, I found out that, you know, Marv Levy, he, he sent the long email in for, um, what's my man's name? Was a special team guy for the Bills. That was real good. Um, God, I can't think of his name. But anyway, you know, people call in to these people, and these voters are like, they're, they're, they're like the, um, you know the the council, the the mafia, the angels sitting in heaven to to to, to say who gets into heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um these guys get so many different emails and different things that I'm kind of looking forward to my my high school coach Robert Brazil finally getting in after a long wait of time. We, we we've been pushing for a long time for coach to get in. He was a great player. I think he was he's the only player from the uh, all seventy decade team to not be in. So. Uh, but a guy like Rob Brazil to get in, he's on the senior committee, which is also sad too that Kenny Anderson don't get in with the career that he's had because yeah. Kenny Kenny should be the next Bengal in the Hall of Fame, you know. And you know, I'm not even gonna say myself or anything like that, but even though I do think I had a Hall of Fame career, if you ever want to sit down and go player for player who I block versus uh the Baselli's, the great players, Baselli's, the Ogden's, the Pace You'll be able to see that I block probably more more guys with bigger sack numbers, but for left and right tackles, the narrative has been since the '80s that people think, "Oh, the left tackle is so important." Well, watch football today yeah. and see. Don't you think the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders don't think that blocking um, Von Miller and the kid out there at the, at the Raiders who play with the right tackles? Yeah, do those teams think they need a right tackle? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, so the narrative's kind of changed, but the voters, their minds haven't changed. And, you know, we didn't win a lot of games. And, but I do think guys like Kenny and Corey should have, you know, high recognition of going. And, and Willie as well. Willie, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks for the, the extended time. Good luck. And I hope the Bengals do give you a call. All right. Thanks, James. That's my conversation with Willie Anderson. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully that was as entertaining to you as it was for me. I love Willie. I love having him on, and uh, good stuff. Definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame along with Corey Dillon. You can subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Megaphone. Check out LockedOnBengals.com. And until next time, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.